you guys remember, this book uh, was divided in two different areas. Um, first section is dealing doctrinally. So the first three chapters uh, is really dealing with the blessings that we have in Christ. The next three chapters is really practical, dealing with our duty in Christ Jesus. So last week we went through verses 3 all the way to 14. And it's really, Paul gives us a single sentence with one main verb. And in verse 3, that's where the main verb is. It says, has been blessed. And so that was a good truth for all believers that we've been blessed. And we learned last week with what? With every spiritual blessing, right? Um, God has blessed us with. And so um, we saw this in three areas. We saw it by the Father, and that involved election. Uh, we saw it by the Son, and it involved redemption. And we saw it with the Spirit, and it involved the seal or the guarantee that we have, right? The purchase um, that we have in Christ Jesus. So in verses 15 to 23, we have another single sentence, by the way, in the Greek grammar. Uh, it's just one long sentence. Uh, sentence basically and it involves and revolves around prayer and this prayer is of enlightenment the next prayer there was two prayers in Ephesians this one's about enlightenment the next one's about enablement in chapter 3 uh, verses 14 to 21 and so this is important it's very powerful uh, portion of scripture I think that all of us need to know and understand as the church right as the body of Christ and the first few verses of chapter 1, Paul's talking to the people about the Lord. And now, in this portion of Scripture, we see the, that Paul's talking uh, to the Lord about the people. And I think it's such a good reminder that when we talk to people, it's a good reminder to talk to the Lord about those people as well. In other words, pray for them, right? When you're walking away... Um, just, you know, lift them up in prayer. Talk to whatever it is their heart they were talking about, whether it be for good, for bad, for healing, for this or that. Um, talk to the Lord about it. And as you do, the Lord's going to enlarge your heart for his people as well. The more you pray for his people, it really does. It's pretty amazing. Um, but I think it's, I think it's just a great thing. You know, when we're ministering to people, um, that shouldn't be enough. I think we got to continue to lift them up in prayer. And by the way, pray for, pray for me. Pray for the staff here. Pray for um, just every, everybody, whoever's in the front lines. They're getting hit, right? And, and, and spiritual warfare is so real. And it's amazing when the body of Christ comes together, lifts each other up in prayer. It's like lifting, you know, that burden in a sense, right? And, and it's, it's almost like the other person's like, oh, I feel... I could do this. Here we go, right? It's like, where did it go? It's because somebody else is taking on that load, right? So um, there's so much about prayer. Today we're only going to scratch just briefly uh, of what even this passage is talking about. So I challenge you guys, take this passage back home with you. Study it for yourself because there's so much more. I only got like, what, 20 minutes? So we're, we, we, not really, but we, uh, we're only going to get just some of it, and, but there's so much more when you study it, so I challenge you guys to do that. But let's just read. Um, it says in verse 15 of Ephesians chapter 1, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord, Paul says, 
Jesus and your love for all the saints do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the Lord God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the, in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in his saints, or in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him, Jesus, to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Um, Man, you guys ready for this? Amen. This is just jam-packed, but it's very powerful prayer that Paul's proclaiming to you and to me, really to to, to the church of Ephesus, but uh, we can get so much application here. But the the reason, if you guys are taking notes here, um, we're going to break this prayer up in three simple parts. The first one is the reason, uh, really the reasons for Paul's prayer. That's in verse 15. Secondly, the consistency in Paul's prayer in verse 16. And then third, the nature of Paul's prayer. That's going to be in verses 17 to 23. Um, Let's start with the reasons for Paul's prayer. Why did he begin to pray for the church of Ephesus like this? What are the reasons behind it? What motivated him uh, to begin to even pray for the church of Ephesus? So I, I would give you guys two reasons that are really outlined for us in verse 15. The first is, well, because he heard of their faith in Jesus. Notice in verse 15, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. So this was quite a statement. The reason Paul prayed for them is because he heard of their faith that they had in who? In Christ Jesus. I think that's an important part. Underline that part. Because who did they previously have their faith in? If you guys know Ephesus at this time, uh, they're in, what is that, modern-day Turkey, uh, um, Asia Minor area. You understand in history, they were a culture, it was a pagan city, basically, right? They gave over their worship to... Um, Diana, right, the uh, fertility god, and and actually a whole bunch of them uh, there at that time. So, but now they're putting their faith in Jesus, and immediately my mind went to like, wow, how great is that? Imagine writing a letter to somebody that you have been praying for, maybe maybe for years that they would come to salvation in Christ, right? Your family, think of your friends. And, and it's just been, it's been a toil, a work, right? You've been trying to encourage them and it's been like crazy. And then all of a sudden you hear from somebody, hey, so-and-so came to the Lord. They put their faith in Jesus. And it's like, yeah, right? Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, I'm sure some of you guys are still praying for somebody like that, right? For many years. I know people have been praying for their family for like 60, 70 years. It's like, whoa. Um, I've been blessed with certain family members that I prayed for, and immediately they just came to the Lord, and it was like, whoa, that was easy. I thought it was going to be, 
but but that excitement, right? So Paul at this time, when he's writing, I could imagine how excited he is right here. And, and he's so blessed that they put their faith in Jesus, and it motivated him to pray this. So not only faith in Jesus, but secondly, uh, the second reason was that he heard of the love they had for the saints right there, right? And your love for all the saints. So the reason for Paul's prayer is very, very simple, because they put their faith in Jesus Christ, and they had a love for all the saints. And faith and love motivated him to pray. So you see, friends, it's about loving Jesus first, right? It's about loving him. When you love Jesus first, you're going to naturally love others secondly. And faith and love, they go hand in hand, right? Um, when we're truly placing all of our trust in Jesus, when we're, we're putting all of our faith in Jesus, the Lord is naturally going to do that work in and through our lives as we pray for other people as well. Um, he's going to put a love for us. And we love God first, and second, we love others, right? Those are the two great commandments when they told Jesus, what's the greatest of all the commandments, right? And they pressed on him, he said, to love the Lord. Love, love basically, some, some, love the Lord and love others, right? And Paul took it further, right? So you got the Old Testament, all, not just 10 commandments, 613 commandments, or even more, but uh, all those commandments, and Jesus summed it up in two. Actually, Malachi summed it up back there in the Old Testament, but Jesus summed it up in two. And then Paul uh, decides to sum it all up in one. He says the whole law really is summed up and fulfilled in one word, and it's love, right? Uh, which is great. And so, and as we place our trust and faith in Jesus, we will naturally begin to love others. In other words, we are fulfilling the law of Christ. And, and these are the reasons for Paul's prayer. So I found this interesting because um, when I'm going through a situation, right, a, a trial, um, it's easy for me to pray, right? It's easy for me to be like, Lord, give me ass, Lord, blah, 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 this is going on, right? Uh, for some people, it's not easy. Sometimes you're going through a situation and you just, the hardest thing to, is to pray and to seek the, the word, right? Um, and I can understand that because it's spiritual warfare, right? When we're just reading the Bible is spiritual. Or anybody, hey, have you read so-and-so's book? Oh, yeah, I read that like 10 times. Hey, have you read the Bible? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm still trying to go through that one, right? <laughs> but it's spiritual, that's why. It's a tough one. Um, but I, I thought it was interesting that it, some of us, it's easy to pray, and others, when you're going through a hard time, but but did you think of the contrast when things are going good, how much are we praying, right? I can understand when we're all messed up and like, Lord, ah! How about using all that zeal and that voice for when it's going good as well, right? Sometimes we neglect our prayer life with the Lord when things are going really well. And that's why I pray that the Lord keeps us... Um, you know, persecution is a beautiful thing. I understand, you know, how horrible it is, but it really is a beautiful thing, and it really strengthens the church. That's what it did to the early church, right? They were literally on fire for the Lord both ways, right? And But the Lord did it on purpose to keep them, right, and hold them together, and, and we need that. We need those struggles. We need those trials, and so when those things come our way, uh, really, it's a blessing. God is doing more above and beyond than we literally know that he's doing. He's in complete control. And we'll see that. But Paul is our example right here that 
he's going to pray for them when things are going good. I love that. Because he heard of their faith in the Lord and their love for other saints. And that should get us to be motivated to pray for each other as well. Amen, church? I think so, yeah. Now let's come to the second thing here, the consistency in Paul's prayer. Notice in verse 16, it says, Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So the verbs used here are in the present tense, by the way. In other words, he's constantly, repetitively, continually, uh, faithfully praying for them, right? No wonder he would go on to write 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, verse 17. He says, pray without ceasing and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. If you ever caught yourself praying, Lord, what is your will for my life? Well, here's one. <laughs> there you go. Go ahead and start praying for others, right? Just pray without ceasing. In Ephesians six eighteen, it says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, right? Are we doing that? Are we praying and interceding on behalf of other believers? Well, we ought to be. Prayer is not something we do. It's something really we are. It's, it's, it's our lifestyle. It's something we constantly, repetitively, faithfully ought to be doing, right, throughout the day. As you're walking, as you're talking, as you're driving, as you're whatever you're doing, uh, Feel free to just open up your heart to the Lord, right? That's what he's, he's, he wants to hear. Um, it's not something that, uh, there's different, I went over the first service, so I'm going to skip all that for you guys, but there's, there's different ways that people pray. Some people pray long prayers because they think there are many words that God will finally hear. Like he's like, oh, it's been 10 hours. Okay, I'll just listen to them already, right? Uh, or uh, some people have short little tiny prayers. Like I, I imagine Peter, he was, remember he was out there on the boat and everything's crashing, going crazy and he's looking and he sees Jesus and then the waves go down and he doesn't have faith anymore, right? He gets his eyes off the Lord. But he says, Lord, help! <laughs> that was his prayer. He told, told the Lord to help. And that's my prayer all the time, right? I wake up every morning, help! <laughs> Before I get up here, Lord, help! Um, but... We, it doesn't matter the, the way you pray necessarily, but it's the, the heart, right, in the prayer. Some people's heart is like volumes of prayer, just right there in three minutes worth of prayer, right, where you don't need to pray all these hours. Uh, some people do pray forever, and, and it's just, it's more of the heart that God is looking at, right? He's hearing your heart, not your, necessarily your many words, right? We've been warned about that in Matthew. So, um, so we got to be very, very careful when we pray, and it ought to be consistent when we pray. Um, and and uh, it's a reminder for me, too, because some people do, they're like, how do I pray? And if you try to YouTube it, right, how do I pray? People do the weirdest things. You guys should try to look at they're Like, put your hands together like this and go, hum, right? Or, or do this, right? Or do this, or do this, or, right? There's all kinds of, it's like they're making some kind of sign language thing going on there. But... It's it's really not the outward appearance, right? And and I I pray like this. I pray like this. I grew up pray, in fact in elementary school. I remember um, I don't know what grade it was, like second or third grade. But uh, 
I used to, I, I was born praying for my food. That's just how I was raised, right? And, and uh, before I would eat it, I'd thank the Lord. So I remember being at school. I used to get kicked out of school. So, you know, and, uh, and at this point, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm at school and I'm praying, just praying like this to myself, to the Lord, just thanking the Lord for the food. And I, I just opened my eyes. I'm like, hey, man, and everyone's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? Don't you pray for your food? And they're like, no. And I was like, oh, you weirdo. Like, they were looking at me like I'm a weirdo. And I was like, oh, man. But uh, it really doesn't matter. You pray like this, right? Don't do not do that all the time because if you're driving, right? Oh, um, so it doesn't matter. You guys get the point there? It, it, what matters is your heart, the volume of your heart uh, talking to the Lord is all that matters. So, um, and understand, when I pray, when you pray, it's really showing our dependency upon the Lord. It's showing the Lord, Lord, I'm not sufficient, but you are. Lord, I need your help, and I can't do it. That's When you pray, that's what you're saying. In other words, let's look at the contrast. When you don't pray, what are you saying? Lord, I got this. I'm sufficient. I mean, ugh. I've been in ministry for, what, 40 years, 50 years? I got this, right? I, I have experience. And no, that's what? <laughs> right? Are you Christian? Right? No, as a believer, it, it's, it's not about any. It's about Jesus. And, and, and the thing is, um, we are to be praying onto the Lord, and that shows our dependency upon the Lord, and that should be forever, right? We should always be in prayer to the Lord, because who are we? Right? The moment pride creeps in, all of a sudden, who are we? Well, I'm. That's who we are, right? But when you humble yourself, man, you're going to be praying like crazy. You're going you're gonna to be joined alongside us on Saturdays, right? The women go on that side, we go on this side, and we're constantly just lifting up our hearts and our burdens before the Lord because we understand something, that God, well, he's God. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how to explain it. He knows what he's doing. He's in control. So um, I love it. But let's, uh, um, actually, let me show you one verse before. Uh, we're to constantly be in prayer. And Jesus even said in Luke twenty two forty two, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but yours. I love that, right? Jesus said in John 6, 38, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So, guys, prayer is not getting our will done. It's getting his will done, right? Question yourself next time you pray, because it's Christmas time, right? And a lot of people are like, Lord, and I want this, and it's got to be red, and it's got to be this big, and that thing, and I want this, and I want, right? It's all about me, myself, and I. But when we pray, we ought to be praying in his will, not our will, right? And some people try to help God. They try to give God advice. They try to, um, Lord, you know, this is the way you got to do it, right? And, and they try, and it's like, he's not God. I mean, is he really your Lord and Savior? You know, if, he's, if he is, your prayer will be different than that. Um, but it, it, it's amazing how some people pray. Some people pray a lot, and that's good. I'm not trying to diss on long prayers at all. I think of Nehemiah, he prayed three times a day for 
ever, all the time, right? When, when everybody was coming against him, what did he do? He went to prayer. He decided to, you know, the enemy's attacking me. The enemy wants to bring me into fear. And, and how did he combat against it? He said, I'm just going to continue seeking the Lord because he knew there was nothing in and of himself, of any power, of any might that he had. Uh, but he knew that it was all about Jesus. It was all about the Lord, right? And, and what the Lord was doing. And so he continued to, to, he continued to pray to the Lord, not panic. Now let's come to the third thing here. It involves the nature of Paul's prayer. In verses 17 to 23, what is the nature of his prayer? What is the characteristics, if you will, of his prayer? I noticed that there is about six things that are in our text today. Number one, it involves wisdom. Notice verse 17, it says, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom. Now, one characteristic of prayer is that he is desiring for this church, the church of Ephesus, to have wisdom. Now, wisdom, Sophia, mentioned 52 times in the New Testament, carries the idea of knowledge, knowing, or intelligence. Really, it's the, the application of knowledge, right? Uh, that's a skunk right there, right? That's, that's knowledge, right? It's wisdom that says, that's a skunk, and I'm out of here, right? I, I needed that. I was in San Diego walking the dog, right? And there's skunks everywhere. And the dog's, like, trying to run after a cat. And I was like, you know what? Nobody's watching. Go get the cat, right? And I, I'm going with the dog, and all of a sudden, the cat lifts its little tail up. And I was like, what? And it's all, and I was like, oh, it's a skunk. And, <laughs> and the dog's all, run. But, oh, man, if you guys have ever been sprayed, it's horrible. You literally got to throw your clothes away. It's not good. But now I have wisdom. Now I know better, right? Don't run after those cats or whatever those things are. But um, wisdom, right, the application of knowledge. James chapter 1, verse 5. Oh, you guys are already peeking at it. Um, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So understand, that's for us, right, church? He, he gives to you. If you ask, he's not going to withhold it. He's not going to be like, well, you did this, this. That's what I do to the kids, right? Dad, can we buy this? Well, you know, you were doing, you know, I have reproach, but God is like, sure, go ahead, here you go. Take it all, right? But it's by asking. And by the way, what are we asking for? Wisdom here, right? This is not worldly wisdom. This is godly wisdom. There's a big difference about wisdom. And Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 3.19 that the wisdom of God is really, uh, oh, I'm sorry, the wisdom of the world is really foolishness to God, right? He looks at our wisdom and we think so high and that we're so intelligent and we're all that, and he's all, seriously. <laughs> it's, it, I think oftentimes we get that confused, by the way. We, we have some kind of you know, trial in our heart, in our life, and, and uh, we get counsel from other brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. By the way, that's a great thing, right? We need to be sharpened by each other. We need, we need each other as the body of Christ. And, and, but the, and there is wisdom in a multitude of counselors. But oftentimes, you know, if, like, if you guys come to me and, and, and I see your situation, I might be in the flesh, and immediately I'm writing off like my feelings are just kicking in, and I'm like, you know, you really should just do this instead, and this is going to get you out of the situation. 
But what if that's not what God's will is for your life, right? So you, ought to, you need to pray for God's wisdom in the situation that you're in because what may seem right in your eyes may be the wrong thing at that time, right? And the right thing at the wrong time is we know the wrong thing. And so we got to be very careful uh, not to give in to all the advice that others give us. We need to give in to the advice that God gives us and be still and just listen, Right? How often do we do that to the word of God? Just, Lord, speak to my heart. You know, I'm going through this burden, this trial, and, and as you're reading, boom, 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 all of a sudden it just starts blowing up and it's like, whoa, it was there the whole time, right? Um, so God does speak to us and we got to be very, very careful. Um, I have all this stuff right here, but I'm going to skip it. It's, it's really hard to explain what this spiritual wisdom is, but it's, it's about a relationship with Jesus, right? And until you have that relationship, your eyes are going to be, it's like, it's, like a, it's like being blind all your life and all of a sudden being able to see colors, right? Being able to see things that you've never seen before in your entire life. And how do you describe that stuff to somebody that doesn't know? It's the same thing for the body of Christ. Uh, but we're here as a church, right? There's probably people here that don't know the Lord, um, but we're to train and equip, and that's my job. But it's sometimes like stuff like this. It's like it's something that only comes by experience in your relationship with the Lord. And in the context, it's talking about prayer, right? And we're to pray, uh, ask for wisdom. It's a great thing to have as well. Um, so just, just uh, I would, I would, if I were you, just keep. Pray, ask for for that wisdom from the Lord. Uh, But let's come to the next thing. It involves revelation. It's in verse 17. It says, in revelation and the knowledge of him. So not only the spirit of wisdom, but now of revelation. The spirit of revelation. By the way, this word revelation, and it, it reminds me of the book of Revelation, by the way. If you guys look at the book of Revelation in the end, what does it say? It says the revealing of Christ Jesus, right? Or the the revelation of Jesus Christ. It doesn't say, uh, you know, revelations of Jesus. It doesn't say many visions of Jesus. It doesn't say what a lot of people think it says, but it's all about Jesus, and it's one vision of Jesus. That's all it is. And it describes the character, the nature of God's heart for humanity, for the world, and and, and what it's going to look like. And he's warning us. He's saying, guys, heads up, right? This is coming Get your life in order. Get your life right by looking to me. Stop looking at the things of the world, right? And come to me. Uh, but anyways, this word revelation, it means to bring to light, to reveal, to make known, to open. So wisdom and revelation speak about God's will, God's plan, God's purpose for our lives. And it carries the idea of bringing to light what we need to know in our lives, spiritually speaking, and to bring us into the will of the Lord. So who who needs that, right? I do. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I need a lot of it. But I, I need the Holy Spirit to bring to light, to reveal to me his will, his plan, his purpose, and what he wants to do. And, and that's a constant thing. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I love it when the Lord speaks to my heart at certain times, too. And You guys know how that is? Has the Holy Spirit ever spoken to you about something or someone and, um, and, and, uh, and you obeyed? Like, how much of a blessing is that? I, I told the first service, I remember 
I was, I don't know what I was doing. I was so busy doing something, but the Lord impressed, go and talk to that person right there. And I was like, okay, <laughs> right? There's, there's the battle at first. So it's like, I got to do this schedule, but all right. Then I didn't want to waste any time and being like, hey, my name is Josh, blah, blah, blah. I, so I just straightforward, who cares about an introduction? Hey, I just want you to know Jesus loves you so much. He died on the cross for your sins. He rose again and he loves you. That's how much he loves you. He was willing to lay down his life for you so that you might have a relationship with him. He has a plan, a purpose for your life. And, you know, I kept going on and on, but uh, it, it was some girl. She was all in tears and just broken, and, and, uh, and she was like, you know, I really needed that. And she ended up, you know, as we're, we talked, she was thinking of suicide, basically. She was just wanting to end her life. And I can imagine what was going on in her thoughts. Like, is this all that there is to life? And then all of a sudden, here comes a dummy guy. And, but, I, but what? Oh, huh? What? Right? And then you, but you listened, and... Who knew what God wanted to do in that person's life, right? But if I kept on going in my busy life, which I've done in the past, by the way, and I hate that, and I can imagine what God could have done through, you know, some person, whoever it was, but uh, we need to be opening up our ears, right, and our eyes to the Lord um, and whatever he wants to do. And the only way to discern this wisdom, this knowledge, is right here. The answer is right here in verse 17. It's in the knowledge of him. There it is. It's in the knowledge. In other words, it's in Christ Jesus. It's, in, it's all about Jesus. It's about this relationship with Jesus. Friends, we got it all. If you think about it as believers, we got it made as believers. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight. He said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. But you got to come, come over, right? How do we learn about Jesus unless we read his word? The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh, speaking of Jesus, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, John says, full of grace and truth. So do you know Jesus? Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And, and are, you, are you falling more in love with Jesus? You know, think about it. Are you reading more about Jesus? It's all about Jesus, right? And do you want this spiritual wisdom? Do you desire this spiritual revelation, if you will? Do you want to know more information uh, uh, that you're receiving from the Holy Spirit? Do you want to know all about Jesus? It's all, it all goes back to the knowledge of him. It's all about Jesus, right? And the Bible is our compass. It's like our Google search, right? It's everything you need to know about life and godliness. It's all contained right here in the word of God. And, you know, I, I could say things that are incorrect. I could fail you. I can be throwing you off big time. Just because I'm at one of these wooden things doesn't mean I'm giving you 100% truth. Don't ever come to church and just sit here and think, you know, everything the pastor says is always going to be truth and you're going to depend your entire soul on what one man says. No, you are to put your soul and rely on Jesus and him alone. Trust in him alone because man will always fail you. He will, right? And it's a, it's a bummer. So we need to be careful that the word of God we can count on, right? Because 
we just first John or uh, John one fourteen. He it's the Word of God. He became flesh. The Word became flesh. How cool is that? I can't even. Wow, it's so cool. And we have his written word right here. Lord, I want to hear from you. Well, this is all you need to know. <laughs> it's all there. There you go. Um, in fact, in uh, Colossians, uh, if you desire his word and you realize that it's all about Jesus, right? Colossians 2, 3, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And that's why we're here today. You guys came because you want to grow in the Lord. You want to know more about Jesus, right? You want to be challenged in your, your faith. And really, it's my job as a, as a believer, but the position that God's called me to is one of equipping and training and teaching really the word of God. And, and uh, that's my heart for you that you guys don't come here to just get entertainment or to come here to give your service uh but yeah you come to give and that's your heart to the lord right you come to give your ears to the lord you come to give your worship to the lord it's not just the people that come on stage we're all the body of christ right and you're all playing a part as you're fellowshipping in the back as you're serving one another as you're praying for one another right feel free to just stop and pray for somebody it's a beautiful thing um but anyways, I get excited. Sometimes I got to slow down. That's why I got my notes. Uh, let's come to the third thing here. It involves understanding. Uh, verse 18, it says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. So this word understanding means to perceive, to comprehend. And you, are, you and I are to have wisdom. We are to have revelation and we are to have understanding. We don't need our physical eyes open. We have those eyes open enough, right? Uh, but we need our spiritual eyes on. And that's our, that our hearts might understand as well and, and see. You guys remember in 1 Corinthians 2.14 where it's talking about the natural man. Um, he, oh, I'm blanking out. He can't discern. Oh, man. How does that happen? Uh, he can't discern the, the things of God, right? It's foolishness to him, basically. But it's the same thing for us as believers. We look at the natural man, and we're like, that's foolishness, right? So we're both pointing each other in accusations, but one is true. And, and, and for the believer looking at the non-believer, it's foolishness to think, that your whole life, you got it under control. That you got this thing in life, and you got a hold of it. You know what's coming. You, you're the man, in a sense, right? And the believer looks at you like, that's dumb, right? But, but the, the worldly person looks at the believer and says, well, you're just depending and loving and just trusting in Jesus? Well, that's dumb, right? And it's like... <sighs> So it's because they're blind. That's it's it, and that's why we're to pray for them, right? That's what inter- we intercede on behalf on their behalf. Um, but let's come to the fourth thing. It involves his calling. Look at verse eighteen. It says that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Now, the hope of his calling, I know for sure, is not. Uh, it's not based on your performance. It's not based on your effort, your good deeds. It's not based on I got you know. Look at me. I'm me, right? It's none of that stuff. It's not your actions that you've done in the past. In fact, look at 2 Timothy. Go to your right. 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Look at verse 8. 
It says, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. So this was through his power, not according to our works. And that's why I always get that, you know, it's not by our performance, not by our works, not by our good deeds. This is where I get it from. Uh, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Amen. Is it? Am I the only one there when I read that? I'm like, yes! <laughs> it's not about me, right? Zechariah 4, 6. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And what is his spirit saying? It's by his grace. It's by what he did on the cross. It's through his righteousness. So this hope of the calling that we have is really based on him and his sovereignty toward mankind. So you and I have been called with a holy calling because of what Jesus did on the cross. And it's not because we're so good. Right? It's not because of our experience. Look at my resume. Right? It's, it's about Jesus. And, and the, uh, it's, it's amazing. So I understand what this means positionally, by the way. So I'm not going to get into that. I understand positionally uh, we've been called with this holy calling. And because of that, uh, the, uh, we're absolutely saved. We're absolutely uh, justified. We're absolutely uh, sanctified. But it goes beyond that. Um, you guys can read Romans on your own and understand what the word's talking about. But First Peter chapter, oh, there's more. First Peter chapter 1 verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. Through and through, catch this, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This living hope of our calling is not for some point in the future, by the way. It's for right now. This is, I don't know about you, but I need this, this hope of this calling that we need in Christ Jesus. Without his hope, I'm hopeless, right? And, and uh, it's horrible. So it's all about Jesus Christ. And he gave up his life for you and I that we might have a living hope, not a dead hope, right? It's all about him. So let's come to the fifth thing here. It involves his inheritance. Notice in verse 18, go back to Ephesians. It says, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? The answer is right there. What, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance? It's in the, it's in the saints. We're the saints that go marching, right? <laughs> I got kids. So there's songs that pop in my head, but it's, it's a, uh, we're the saints. We're his inheritance. Think about that. What, what am I saying? Paul already told us that, uh, as Christians, right? Our inheritance is Christ Jesus, but now it's saying his inheritance is us as the church. Wow. Isn't that great? Think about it. Do you realize this? The glory of the riches of God Almighty, the creator of all uh, everything, his glory, his inheritance that he is expecting and waiting more than you are. If you're like me, I'm like, man, I can't wait to have my new body and get to heaven already. Like, oh, I just can't, I can only imagine, right, how it's going to be and the, the, you know, how heaven, it's just, oh, I'm just in awe, right? But 
God is more so excited for you to join him. He's way more excited. He's going to be dancing and rejoicing just as much as we're going to be dancing and rejoicing, right? It's going to be a happy gathering. It's not going to be like, oh, you guys made it. Good job. All right. Let's get on with life. Let me show you how things are running up here, right? Now you do this. Now you go do that. No, it's, it's going to be a, a song, right? That's what when you read in Revelation, the angels are singing, the four living creatures, the elders are bowing before the Lord, singing holy, 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 right? Is the Lord God Almighty. It's going to be amazing, right? Right? But, but think, have you ever thought about his perspective? You are his inheritance. It's just, God is desiring really to inherit you. And because you're worth more than all creation, I, I, I kind of hesitate to say that, right? It's almost like an angel's going to hit me right now. Oh, what was that? Right? It's like, he doesn't desire all creation, right? Um, but... Uh, it all comes down to Jesus Christ, right? And, and I think, here's, it's almost like the Where's Waldo books, right? You're like, I found him! It's like when I read through scripture and I was thinking, you know, we're his inheritance. Uh, and he looks at us and he's just in awe, right? And like, what is it? Because I know there's nothing of me that is good. I know anything good that I can possibly give to God. All my years of success in the world's eyes, right? Or, or the, the uh, things I have, it's all like bleh, to God, right? It's if our righteousness is as filthy rags to the Lord. So what is it, right? I have no worth to bring to the Lord. All I can say, Lord, here's my heart. That's all I got, right? That's, that's all. But he's, why are you so excited about me? I have nothing. And I found it. It's in Colossians chapter 1, uh, verse 27. Uh, and I realize it's not about my greatness, but what does it say in Colossians 1.27? It says, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. In other words, it's Christ in us. It's his perfection. It's his righteousness. It's, the, it's Jesus in us. It's just, you're valuable and precious in his sight when he sees you because he sees himself. You're, the blood that he shed on the cross you are allowed entrance into the kingdom of heaven because he's looking at what he did. It speaks of his work. It speaks of his person and his nature because you allowed him in your life. It's, I don't even know how to describe that. It's like, wow. Well, let's, let's end with the last, uh, the sixth thing. It involves his power, his power. Notice in verse 19, it says, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? So what is the point of verse 19 dealing with the nature of Paul's prayer? Uh, it speaks of the power of God. But understand this, Paul's not praying that God would give them this power, but Paul is praying that they would realize the power that they already have. You already got it, right? And he drives this point home by really using four interesting words about the power of God and let's look at them in verse 19 the first word is power and we know this word that's the the dynamite right this is the the dynamic it speaks of the uh, of his power himself right and working this is the second word that word means energy and in the new testament it's speaking of a spiritual uh, energy it's never earthly the third word is mighty and it carries the idea of strength or might right if you guys want a picture of might just look at me right there we go just joking 
Um, and, and then the fourth word is power. By the way, this isn't the same word as the first word power, that, which is dynamite, due to most power, right? The, the fourth word power, it, it, it's a different word altogether in the Greek. It means great force or dominion. So in other words, Paul's simply saying, Precious believers at Ephesus, I'm not praying that you will receive God's dynamite power, this energy, this great force of dominion. I'm praying that your spiritual eyes would be enlightened, that you would realize you already have it all. Right? That's basically what he's saying. It's not something you need to receive. It's just something basically you need to understand and realize you got it. It's already there. Right? Stop fighting for all this stuff. It's already there. It's something you need to rest in. In fact, in Ephesians uh, 1.3 that we already read, it says he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. It's amazing. And in 2 Peter 1.3, it says as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through, and this is the same terminology, the same wording here, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. But it's through the knowledge of him. What is the volume of the book about? It's about Jesus. Amen, church? It's all about Jesus. Friends, we got it all, right? If you have Christ, you got it all. All the power of the Godhead, all the glory and riches of Christ is dwelling in you and I. It's, it's, it's beyond what we, even uh, Paul was trying to describe, you know, heaven. He's like, man, it's, it would be like a sin to try to put, you know, our, my words, you know, of uh, describing what heaven is like. And it's like, oh, man, there's so much more beyond what our understanding is right now. What we know of God is like, it's, it's, it's a little tiny little bit, right? Man, it, there's so much more. It's amazing. I can't even comprehend it, but I can try, right? And what I can try, what I have is that little bit, and that's enough for me. But when we get to heaven, we'll have our glorified bodies, and we'll be able to comprehend a whole lot more, I'm sure. Um, but let's come to the verse 20 to 23. Paul now talks about this mighty power of God that he's talking about referring to in verse 19. And Paul gives us four things regarding the mighty power of God in Christ Jesus. Number one, it involves his resurrection. Notice in verse 20, it says, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So talk about the, the mighty power of God, which you and I have as believers in Christ Jesus, right? God has given us all his riches because Christ is dwelling in us. That's the hope of glory. And talk about the power, the resurrection from the dead. Guys, there's no other power that can do that. When Jesus rose from the grave, there is no other power on earth that's even comparable. That is power. And the resurrection of Jesus is really the cornerstone of Christianity. I think about it. Your faith, your coming to church is really in vain. You, you're here for no reason at all. Um, your all of Christianity, all religions of the world is really in vain. Uh, and if, and there's really no salvation if you think about it. If Jesus didn't rise from the grave. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says in chapter 15, verse 12, he says, Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some of you uh, say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the, de the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. And your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise. 
For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. That's scary, right? So if he didn't rise, we're still in, we're in big trouble. You got a big dilemma because <laughs> all of us are on a countdown, right? And our life is coming to an end. And, uh, and that's scary. So if we don't know him. Secondly, it involves his exaltation, right? In verse 20, going back to Ephesians, uh, it says, and, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So as you read the Bible, you see all over the place that he is exalted, right? And he sits at the right hand of the Father and he sits and makes intercession for you and I. That's what he's doing right now. He's interceding on our behalf. Um, and think about it. Why would Paul even bring up the exaltation of Jesus Christ? Why would he throw it in right here? Why is it so important to know that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father? Uh, Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Go to your right. Look at verse 5. It says, Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us, Jesus made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So since he's exalted and sitting at the right hand of the Father, so too will we. He'll, he allows us to come and sit with him, right, on his throne uh, and as he is with his Father. But it's because of Christ Jesus we're allowed to do that. And one day, it's going to be amazing, guys, just think about it. It's that's going to be amazing one day when, when that happens. I just, wow, it's amazing. First uh, John says we will be like him, and it's, it's just like, ah. Oh. Um, let's come to the third thing here. It involves his authority. Uh, it says in verse 21, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And don't miss this. The power of God regarding Jesus Christ really involves his authority. If you misunderstand this or uh, or not, or you understand it, Jesus Christ has authority over all. Okay, think about it. Over everyone and everything, he is under complete, full authority. And I thank the Lord for that. When The more I think about it, it blesses me to know that whatever's happening to me, and I, immediately my mind goes to, you know, the struggles, the trials, the this and the test and all of this. Guess what? Nothing goes through the hand of God that nothing can escape. Nothing can just be avoid the Lord and, and speak on its own authority and, and handle you in, in some type of way without God approving or disproving it. I think of Job, I hate Job, but I love Job. It's one of those books, it's a love-hate relationship, right? But every time I read it, it's like, oh, I love this so much. And But it seems like I'm going through all the trials. And like it's like James, too. I read James, and it's like, fiery dart coming my way. And I'm going through this trial. Why am I going? Oh, I'm reading James. That's no wonder. It's weird how that works out. But Job, if you guys read through Job, you understand Satan, you know, God's like, hey, have you considered my, my servant Job? And he's like, of course I have. But you have your hand of protection on it. How could I do it? He's like, well, let me just back off a little bit, right? Go ahead and, you know, don't take his life. And, and you guys see the whole battle there and what's going on. But that goes to show even the enemy has to speak to the Lord, has to get permission from the Lord. There's nothing where the Lord doesn't, there's his permissible will, of course, and his perfect will, but there's nothing that he doesn't, that doesn't go through the throne, right? Very interesting when you really consider it. 
Um, and we can talk all day about it. I'm sure we, we would. But Jesus Christ, just understand, he has complete authority over everything and anything. In Matthew 28, verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in, in heaven and on earth. It all belongs to Jesus Christ. I don't know about you guys, but I'm blessed when I think of that. Have you guys traveled the world and you have to come under different authorities, different rulers, different judges, different countries, right? They're all, they're all a little different. Um, and I wouldn't want to be under the authority of anybody else. <laughs> the, God, the God we serve is very merciful and graceful, right? And, and man, he pours out his grace like crazy. And I, I like that, right? I'm okay. But we're under his authority. Fourth, let's come to the fourth thing. It involves his position. Notice in verse 22, it says in 23, and he put all things under his feet and gave him, Jesus, to be the head over all things uh, to the church, which, speaking of the church, is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So notice the position Christ has. He's the head of the church, right? He is the senior pastor. I hate it when people are like, I'm the senior pastor. <laughs> no, Jesus is the senior pastor, right? He's been very senior before you were senior, right? Uh, but, I, you know, it's... It, Think of it, I'm not the head of the church, right? It's Jesus. By the way, I hate it when people say, uh, how's your church doing? It's not my church and you can't blame me for it, right? Back off. <laughs> so think about it. But um, it's interesting. But anyways, we, we're all members of the body. We're all different. We're very unique, if you think about it. And as the church... Uh, we all play different roles, right? The toes stink, right? Especially if you're wearing those winter boots all day long and you take them off and say, oh man, what, did, what was that? But, you know, sometimes the toes stink, but, you know, but, and they may not get along with each other, but they're still the body of Christ, right? Without the toes, without the foot, uh, you, the body's not going anywhere, right? So everything plays in a very important role uh, in everything. And Paul, uh, we'll talk more about that later on in Ephesians, by the way. But in, in, right here in verse 23, the fullness of Jesus Christ, the creator, the sustainer of all things, right? He fills us, right? In John chapter 1, verse 16, it says, and of his fullness, we have all received. That alone is amazing to me. I just stop there and be like, oh, thank you, Lord. It's not, I'm not getting the last little tiny little, you know, the bottom drops. I'm getting the fullness, the overflowing of his fullness we have received, not of his emptiness, and what have we received? And grace, and grace, and grace, and grace upon grace, upon grace, upon grace. And in the Greek, it just keeps going, right? So the energizers are buttery. It just, uh, it's amazing. Just think about it, guys. We got it made. Do we not have it made, church? Friends, we got it made. In Christ Jesus, we got it all. I pray this lifts your responsibility or your, your, uh, your, your thinking or your burdens, if you will. If you're trying to be something and do something, just to give it up and let go. Let God, right? And uh, Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. And I think we got to do that more. Hand it over to the Lord. And, and just fall more in love with the Lord in our prayer life, right? Continue to seek the Lord. Get on your knees, right? That's a humble position of saying, Lord,
Lord, I surrender, right? Here I am, and, and what do you want me to do, right? Where do you want to send me? What do you want me to say? Because you, if you're in Christ, you're his ambassador, and he's going to fill us with the fullness of Christ, right? And he's going to do a mighty work. So no matter what situation, no matter what circumstance, it's going to be Jesus in us, whether good, bad in our eyes, it's all good in his eyes. Amen, church? Puzzles all putting, getting put together. And now we can walk with that big old smile on our face, right? Knowing that it's, it's all about him. He's got it made. Praise the Lord, right? That we're in him. That alone is amazing, right? We're in Christ Jesus. So why don't you guys stand and uh, let's pray. And hope you guys are encouraged as much as I was uh, going through this first chapter. Obviously, like I said, there's so much more here in, cha- in chapter one. Um, and I only gave you guys kind of just the... I just gave you an outline, actually, so you got to do it yourself. But let's go ahead and pray. Um, Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Speaking about your grace, speaking about uh, just the power, Lord, that you have, and you demonstrated uh, the greatest demonstration of love that this world's ever seen was there at the cross, Lord. It was your heart, your love for us that you are willing to lay down your life for us and sacrifice yourself, that we might have life in you, Lord, that we wouldn't be um, living our life like a robot, Lord, but living our life free and with the peace and the joy and uh, just that love that only you can bring. And so I just thank you for that, Lord. I pray you go before us, bless the rest of this day, Lord. In Jesus' name we ask, amen which, speaking of the church, is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So notice the position Christ has. He's the head of the church, right? He is the senior pastor. I hate it when people are like, I'm the senior pastor. (laughs) No, Jesus is the senior pastor, right? He's been very senior before you were senior, right? Uh, But, you know, it's... Think of it, I'm not the head of the church, right? It's Jesus. By the way, I hate it when people say, "Uh, how's your church doing? It's not my church and you can't blame me for it, right? Back off. (laughs) So think about it. But um, it's interesting. But anyways, we're all members of the body. We're all different. We're very unique, if you think about it. And as the church... uh, we all play different roles, right? The toes stink, right? Especially if you're wearing those winter boots all day long and you take them off and say, oh man, what, did, what was that? But, you know, sometimes the toes stink, but, you know, but, and they may not get along with each other, but they're still the body of Christ, right? Without the toes, without the foot, uh, you, the body's not going anywhere, right? So everything plays in a very important role uh, in everything. And Paul, uh, we'll talk more about that later on in Ephesians, by the way. But in, in, right here in verse 23, the fullness of Jesus Christ, the creator, the sustainer of all things, right? He fills us, right? In John chapter 1, verse 16, it says, and of his fullness, we have all received. That alone is amazing to me. I just stop there and be like, oh, thank you, Lord. It's not, I'm not getting the last little tiny little, you know, the bottom drops. I'm getting the fullness, the overflowing of his fullness we have received, not of his emptiness, and what have we received? And grace, and grace, and grace, and grace upon grace, upon grace, upon grace. And in the Greek, it just keeps going, right? It's the energizers are buttering. It just, uh, it's amazing. But just think about it, guys. We got it made. Do we not have it made, church? 
Friends, we got it made. In Christ Jesus, we got it all. I pray this lifts your responsibility or your, your, uh, your, your thinking or your burdens, if you will. If you're trying to be something and do something, just to give it up and let go. Let God, right? And uh, Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. And I think we got to do that more. Hand it over to the Lord and, and just fall more in love with the Lord in our prayer life, right? Continue to seek the Lord. Get on your knees, right? That's a humble position of saying, Lord, I surrender, right? Here I am. And, and what do you want me to do, right? Where do you want to send me? What do you want me to say? Because you, if you're in Christ, you're his ambassador. And he's going to fill us with the fullness of Christ, right? And he's going to do a mighty work. So no matter what situation, no matter what circumstance, it's going to be Jesus in us. Whether good, bad in our eyes, it's all good in his eyes. Amen, church? Puzzles all putting, getting put together. And now we can walk with that big old smile on our face, right? Knowing that it's, it's all about him. He's got it made. Praise the Lord, right? That we're in him. That alone is amazing, right? We're in Christ Jesus. So why don't you guys stand and uh, let's pray. And hope you guys are encouraged as much as I was uh, going through this first chapter. Obviously, like I said, there's so much more here in, cha- in chapter one. Um, and I only gave you guys kind of just the... I just gave you an outline, actually, so you got to do it yourself. But let's go ahead and pray. Um, Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Speaking about your grace, speaking about uh, just the power, Lord, that you have, and you demonstrated uh, the greatest demonstration of love that this world's ever seen was there at the cross, Lord. It was your heart, your love for us that you were willing to lay down your life for us and sacrifice yourself that we might have life in you, Lord, that we wouldn't be um, living our life like a robot, Lord, but living our life free and with the peace and the joy and uh, just that love that only you can bring. And so I just thank you for that, Lord. I pray you go before us, bless the rest of this day, Lord. In Jesus' name we ask, amen.